Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might, come among us. Amen. Who are you? And I mean that seriously. Who are you? Picture you're in a stale conference room, and there's the fluorescent lights and the smell of burning coffee. How would you respond if asked that question? How would you answer? So imagine you're seated in an overcushioned chair with the seat that makes a pitiful sighing sound every time you move. Then there's that woman sitting next to you, knitting, because it helps her listen. What would be your response to that question? Who are you? Maybe this will help. If you were there in that room, and I was a facilitator wearing a pair of skinny jeans to let you know that I'm cool with a sport coat over a t-shirt, moving arms just enough so you can see a little bit of my tattoo so you know I have a past. And I ask you, who are you? How would you answer? Would you tell me your name, where you lived, where you went to school? Would you tell me what you did for a living, or what church you went to until you became spiritual, not religious, in college? Would you tell me instead who you loved, how you voted, which political party you belonged to? Who are you? What is the core of your identity. In our gospel today, this question is central to the mysterious figure of John the Baptist, who prowls around Advent like that relative you have to invite for Christmas dinner. And every year he visits, calling again and again for the repentance of sin while snacking on bugs. Who are you? The people in Scripture wonder. What type of person has the audacity to set up ministry directly across the River Jordan from the opulent palace where King Herod lived? Who is this guy? So they send the priests and the Levites to go out and investigate. They go through the checklist of figures that could get away with this in ancient times. Are you the Messiah? No, he answers. Moses, no. Elijah, no. So then, who are you? By what authority do you speak? And John's response is simple. A voice crying out in the wilderness. That's it. A voice. A single voice crying out. I'm just a voice he says. Across from the Dyson compound in Durgapur, India, there's a slum. It's uneven, dirt and stone streets wretch their way through derelict dwellings. Each home seems a construction of the accretion of whatever could be salvaged. And the air there smells heavily of burning tires and smoldering dignity. 
We walk through it with our guide, Raja, sometimes pausing to greet people, many of them with expressions somewhere between apathy and embarrassment. The last woman we passed reached out and touched my shoulder, a tear in her eyes, a bucket in her hand to draw from the green water well at the center of the village. After the tour, the bishop's wife, Rita, invited our group for tea. Let me tell you a story, she said in her precise Bombay lilt. We nodded because Rita was a type of woman who didn't ask questions, she gave directives. So she went on to tell us how 10 years ago she had heard an alarming rumor. A poor woman living in the slums was arranging a marriage for her eight-year-old daughter. What made the rumor even more salacious was that the match would be to a 53-year-old man for the equivalent of a $7 bride price. Seven dollars, Rita repeated, her eyes widening as that thought sank into our hearts. And our silence followed, each of us, or maybe me, thinking about how silly I think my problems are. A girl's life only worth seven dollars. Finally, a member of our group asked, so what happened? And Rita's eyes narrowed into something like the countenance of a charging bull. I said no, she said. I said no, and we started the program here to help shelter the helpless. I said no, and now these children at least are given a chance. I said no. Advent is the time of year where as Episcopalians we look deep within the darkness. We don't have to look hard. It's all around. In our city, in our state, in the country, in the world. The seeming insurmountable darkness is a 24-7 news stream beamed into our minds, beamed into our dreams. As we watch their culture gorges on stories of injustice, disenfranchisement, and partisan bickering. If hope, as Emily Dickinson suggested, is a thing with wings, most of the narratives we hear today approach hope with the tenderness of a windshield. In this time of darkness, I need to remember a single solitary man in front of a tank in Tiananmen Square who bravely said, no. I need to ponder the courage of Carter Haywood and the Philadelphia Eleven who said no and became the first female Episcopal priest. I need to remember, against the darkness of exploitation, Cesar Chavez said no. Rosa Parks said no. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said no. Dorothy Day said no. Elmy Wiggins said no. And that's a plug for my buddy Wiley's book. <laughs> so Turner Truth said no. Abraham Lincoln said no. Martin Luther said no and really nailed it. St. Francis of Assisi said no, Thomas Beckett said no, St. Columba said no, Bridget said no, St. Patrick said no, Lucia said no and paid for it with her life, John Martyr 
Justin Martyr said no and did the same. Paul said no. Thecla said no. Stephen said no. Peter said no. Eventually. (laughs) They all said no to the darkness. And at the core of our faith is a simple fact that against the empire and against his own people's expectations, Jesus Christ, our Savior, said no. And instead directed his followers to tend to the marginalized. My point is simple. Darkness is nothing new. Injustice isn't either. Oppression, degradation, hatred, exploitation, genocide, fratricide have all been with humanity from the beginning of time. But in every generation, brave people have stood up against these malignant forces and simply said, no. We follow a God that even in our darkest times directs his followers to seek and be the light. And sometimes we have to wonder, who are we? Tiny beings against a wilderness of complicated problems facing our world. But remember, Carter, Caesar, Rosa, Dietrich, Dorothy, Ella May, Sojourner, Abraham, Martin, Francis, Beckett, Columba, Bridget, Patrick, Lucia, Justin, Paul, Thecla, Stephen, and Peter, they were all just people. Just people convinced of this crazy idea of what the kingdom of God should look like. They simply had the courage to say no because they understood on a fundamental level that their very identity was centered in the singular power. They had a voice, and they cried out until all were called to the water to face their sins. Brothers and sisters, the wilderness is out beyond these walls, but you've been given a weapon to pierce the darkness. You've been given a voice. Stir up your power O people of God, and cry out. Straighten the path between your heart and your mind and prepare for God to become incarnate in our lives. So who are you? Who are we? A voice. Go use it. Amen.